0: You know what I thought was hilarious? So we're sitting there last night at work, or mid-afternoon, mm-hmm. and John's getting ready to go. My boss and the home one of the Home Depot supervisors comes in, Mary, and she's like, "You're not going to believe this, but we so we deliver appliances, but to keep up with Amazon, we also do what's called LBD drops, which is large bulk deliveries. It could be a pallet of flooring, or in this case, snowblowers." They had 11 orders of snowblowers drop in. (laughs) And John and I start laughing because we're like, what if this snow hits overnight or gets in sooner and that truck gets canceled? Because (laughs) you can order up till 5 p.m. and it'll come the next day. Oh, wow. So that truck that has those comes in at about 4 Mm a.m. But if it's snowing and absolutely garbage outside, it's like... What if that truck doesn't show up and these right. 11 people that decide to order snowblowers the day of a snowstorm? <laughs> I hope it doesn't show now.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what you get for not planning ahead a little bit better. But uh, not that and I am to was talk.
0: Wisconsin. Like, I thought this crap was like Chicago, right, where people don't prepare. But it's like the farther north you go, the more you're impacted by the
1: winter. So you think right. you'd be a little
0: bit more prepared.
1: <laughs> no. Well. I'm not one to talk smack because every year, it's like a tradition now. The first day it snows, I have to find a way to get to the store so I can buy a new wiper for the windshield because I lose the brush every year. And then actually I was cleaning out the garage. and you I found, found six like, of them? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> 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 so that's where they all went in the summertime.
0: <laughs> Two best um, friends.
1: Oh wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous.
0: Who think they know football.
1: The Chiefs, or the Colts, or, wow, well, the Chargers. There we go. Not thinking, just read. Bring
0: you unprecedented access
1: to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and may be starting over Russell Wilson.
0: I spent $25 to get Jacoby Percet. Because here, it's real football. By real fans. Like a disturbance in the force as a clip king very suddenly cried out in a silence. The 2M football show starts
1: now. All right, welcome in everybody to the latest episode of the 2M football podcast. Mike and Matt here uh, with you, although Matt is preoccupied. I hope not too busy to hear this joke I'm about to make because Matt, it feels like we haven't uh. made a podcast since last year. I I, I hate you thanks that's what i was looking for okay as you were back to your homework over there that he's doing it right at the beginning of class um classic just like in high school i'm guessing
0: i was gonna say you think this has changed at all
1: all right so yeah so we will get into the brackets that we um definitely didn't just create within the last 15 seconds Uh, (laughs) get that we'll talk some uh week 18 fallout of course we've got some of the most interesting results from the games uh And then yesterday, we're recording on Tuesday, January 9th. Yesterday, Black Monday, we'll talk about uh, more head coach firings and potential candidates. We'll do a final check-in on our playoff sleepers, uh, except for one of them who actually did make the postseason. Spoiler alert, talk some Packers Parkway. I'm going to skip draft order because I didn't write it down. (laughs)
0: That's an excellent reason not to do it,
1: and then we'll do it next time. And then we'll get right into a wild card preview, uh, and and then go from there with the rest of our brackets uh, all the way to the Super Bowl. So, week eighteen headlines: some of the top games, uh, biggest surprises. The Jaguars, who came into the weekend as the leaders of the AFC South, missed the uh, missed the postseason entirely after their 20 to 28 loss to the Titans they finished the season 8 and 9 winning just one of their final six games after at one point being the number 1 seed in the AFC at it seventh. was such a glimmer of hope for that organization to
0: come crashing down in epic epic fashion
1: yeah and a lot of it was on Trevor Lawrence who was banged up for a lot of that stretch but um so maybe you could attribute some of his poor play to the various injuries he was trying to play through but he looked bad he was turning the ball over left and right and Pretty epic collapse from a team that was 7-3 and three and top of the AFC uh, through the first 10 weeks of the season. D, the, there was another interesting game. Uh, almost all the game, actually, I think all the games were intra-divisional, which is always fun. And the, so the Saints played the Falcons in another one of those where both teams came in uh, with a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, so there's a lot at stake in this game, and it was close for a while, 17-17 at halftime. Uh, but then New Orleans really ran away with it after that. But the the interesting talking point from this game came when they were already, the game was over. They were up 41-17 uh, with a minute and a half to play. Tyron Matthew returned to Desmond Ritter interception all the way down to the Falcons' one-yard line, uh, essentially ending the game. They lined up in the victory formation. Everyone expected them to just take a knee, but actually the players, <laughs> Jameis Winston and Jamal Williams, had other ideas And instead of kneeling down, they actually ran it in uh, for another score, which uh, toes the line, in my opinion, between hilarious and uh, just downright disrespectful. So
0: here's my takeaway from it. And it's a combination of what I what I do feel and uh, and what I've sort of pieced together from others that, you know, that have commented on this. And it makes sense. First things first. Like, Arthur Smith could have gotten mad about it, but you put your team in that position. And think about how drastically this this makes a difference if it's a one-score game or they're tied, right? Like, I think the whole disrespectful point is they are lined up in victory formation and fake. Right. it. Yes, yes. Um, however, this says a couple of things. First of all, the fact that... Winston, Jameis Winston and the team decided to do this goes against with the coach. And if you're going to have somebody that's basically leading the mutiny, you can't have that. On the other side of that, it seems like, does Dennis Allen have control of the team? Because I truly believe that that's probably not what he called. He doesn't seem yeah. like the guy that's going to sit there and... Well,
1: That's what he said after the game, right? Well, he called for a the right. down. Right, there's, there's,
0: so... I've kind of commented on it several times, right? There's two, two sides of a head coach. There's the podium coach. And then there's the locker room coach, right? Right. Podium coach is obviously going to come out and condone this, right? I didn't want this. This isn't what I wanted. And I don't think it is. I think he figured, just take the knee. Let's go in at the same time in the locker room. He probably was like, I get what you guys did. You did this for, for Williams. However, that was not the time nor the place to do it. Right. Yeah. Like, the guy deserved a touchdown, but if we were going to do this, we do this right. We line up to go for it. Yeah. But the question is, if the team did, in fact, decide to go against the whole thing, which is what the, the Jameis Winston comments seem to be, that, yeah. in fact, it wasn't Dennis Allen who called it, the team called it, who's running the team?
1: Right, definitely puts his uh, authority into question.
0: Um, I personally, like I've always made fun of Jameis Winston for the gunslinging like thing, but to me, that's not acceptable. You don't go out and rally the team to go against a head coach's decision. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. But, yeah.
0: But also Dennis Allen, his position is in question now. So oh, I think we're going to yeah. see a, some, some interesting happenings in the next week here.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty much with you. Well, in general, I'm a fan of, I don't believe in quote-unquote running up the score in general. I am I believe, I follow along with the train of thought where, well, if you don't like it, then stop it. But where that comes into question is the fact that they, they pretended like they were going to take a knee, which would have made sense. The game was won, it was over. Um, and then, you know, ran an actual play instead to score another touchdown. Uh, that I think is the reason it's, Wrong, I guess, in this instance, um, because you've seen that from the other side where and I can't remember what team it was anymore. But several years ago, there was a, a the defensive team uh, that the offense was taking a knee. The defense, like, you know, played it like a regular play and tried to blow up the snap and the lineman and tackle and, you know, get through the line. And everyone was all up in arms about that because similar argument. Well, hey, the game is over. Why are you still doing that? But. This kind of validates that in a sense, because they they did that. They lined up as if they were just going to kneel down and then actually ran a play. So now there's an argument for that uh, defensive strategy, or not even strategy, but that behavior, I guess, to be valid again.
0: Well, uh, and you don't see it happen often, but it does no, now. As a DC, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. If they're lining up in victory formation and it's a one yard or inches to gain, like. Do we treat it as victory and they end up getting the line to gain? Or do we do we go all out blitz on this and risk a bigger penalty, which still results in a first down?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't like the way that it happened. I agree with you. If they had just lined it up like a normal play and scored again, I have zero problem with that. Um,
0: And I think that's what Arthur Smith's whole like
1: blow up in midfield with
0: Dennis yeah, Allen. Was. I get it. I'd
1: be, I'd be mad too. If I was him, this is um, like the first time ever that I've agreed with Arthur Smith.
0: <laughs> right. Like I see it both ways. Like you put your, you know, you allowed your teams played like crap all game. So like the fact that they ran it down to the one and went for it in concept, I, you can't be mad about the fact that they did in victory formation. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yep. But if you had tackled the interception,
1: earlier or just back not. at like the 10 yard line yeah th- then they probably wouldn't have done it yeah anyway saints won the game didn't even make the playoffs anyway so it didn't actually matter but the the, the one reason that i will that i appreciate this from like a rivalry perspective is that this is a divisional game these teams are going to play each other twice again next season and and no one's going to forget about this so and i'm always a fan of rivalries between teams and these division opponents are not getting any friendlier after after these antics. Uh, and then the other game I wanted to highlight up here is the Eagles. Still Man. fighting for a chance to win their division. Uh, they ended up taking out their starters because they were being blown out so badly by the Giants. Entirely. By the Giants! Yeah. Hertz was just 7 of 16 passing with an interception. Also hit his hand on an opponent's helmet or shoulder pad or something. Did you see the pictures of his fingers? Man,
0: that was one crooked finger.
1: looked nasty. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to put his availability for the playoffs into question at all. But it it made sense, I guess, at that point to take him out because they were getting destroyed by the Giants as Tyrod Taylor threw for almost 300 yards in the 27-10 Giants victory. And the Eagles have to have some concerns. I know... I know Eagles fans, or at least I know one Eagles fan, Sorio, is is not happy about how, how this team looks right now. They finished the season 1-5 and five and kind of limp into the playoffs with, uh, um, you know, it's not looking good. They didn't, I'll say this, they didn't get far in my bracket. <laughs> no, so, they, uh, not looking great for them, um, although they are.
0: No, a- their <laughs> offense just looks off. And I saw a few comments of people saying that, you know, Sirianni should have been gone and Steichen should have been promoted. Instead, Steichen goes to the Colts. So it begs the question, is Sirianni a good coach or did he just have great coordinators that, you know, supported him?
1: Great question. I I
0: will say that the team is still behind him, like the players, at least from the interviews and and the things about it, like they have nothing but respect for Sirianni. They're just all frustrated that nothing is moving and clicking the way it should, and now is not the time to lose steam and momentum.
1: Yeah, that's true, and it, especially it, it,
0: given who they're going to face in the, the in the wild card bracket.
1: Right, having to, since they didn't win the division, they have to go on the road, uh, so they'll be playing Tampa Bay, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and yeah, just really quick on the coordinators being lost. It is interesting because you had. Um, yeah, Steichen went to the Colts, right, where yep. even though they lost, he lost his quarterback week two, uh, they all were on the brink of making the playoffs with Gardner Minshew. Um, didn't get over the line, but impressed by all accounts. And even in Arizona, the other guy, Jonathan Gannon, um, they won a couple games. I mean, won over these Eagles just a week ago. They beat the Cowboys, too. They looked frisky in a lot of games, even without Kyler Murray for the first half of the season. So... You could argue, I think there's an argument to be made that the coordinators getting lost uh, by Philly did have a big impact. All right, let's get to the firings. Black Monday (laughs) has come and gone. The commanders fired Ron Rivera, which was expected, uh, and the Falcons fired Arthur Smith, which was also pretty much expected uh, by this point of the season. Those are the only additional head coaches fired, although the Panthers also got rid of their GM and uh, it's possible that there's still more firings on the horizon. It mm-hmm. seems Phil Belichick's future with the Patriots is up in the air. He has said that, um, I mean, he is under contract. And he's said that he's he'll work with the organization in whatever role they all determine is best. So it sounds like he's open to some kind of change, uh, which would potentially open the door for Mike Vrabel, who has been successfully coaching the Titans the last several years. Uh, has made it known that he'd be willing to come back to uh, New England, where he, of course, was a player under Belichick, uh, to potentially take over some uh, the coaching role there as well. And then uh, nothing has happened with the Bears coach Matt Eberflus yet. I don't know if that decision is yet to be made or if that means he does. I have feel to like
0: happen. that it all hinges on their decision with Fields.
1: Right, which is also unknown
0: because the the Bears have had this weird carousel of. Draft quarterback, spend a year or two with current coach,
1: coach trade gets away
0: or cut quarterback, yeah. get new quarterback, one year with head coach, fire head coach, get new <laughs> coach, and it's been this, like, revolving door between the quarterback and head coaching position. Right. So I really think it depends on if they think Fields, who started to turn a corner at the end of the season here, if if there's some momentum there, they give them each another year. Um. But I feel like they have to make the Justin Fields decision first before they can make a Eberflus, especially with the first pick of the draft.
1: Yeah. Man, it's so interesting. I'm so excited for the draft, obviously, and then everything that comes between now and then. Um, it's an ex- I'd be excited if I was a Bears fan. As like a Bears fan adjacent, you know. I, I'm fascinated by the situation to see what they decide to do. The worst decision
0: they make, the better off for
1: us. (laughs) True, true. And then we also have the uh, interim coaches for teams that fired them in season, which was I didn't write down, so this is off the top of my head, the Raiders, uh, the Chargers, and uh, the Panthers. Were those the only teams that did mid-season firings? Yeah. So to fill all those vacancies, uh, although – I think Antonio Pierce with the Raiders has made a great case for himself, too. If
0: definitely. he doesn't get it, I thoroughly disinvalue what the Raiders franchise does, because I think they're just foolish at that point.
1: Well, I think they might be foolish already, given the, the contracts they gave to Gruden and then McDaniels, only to have to fireball to them. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Anyway, though, I agree with you. I I think Pierce deserves the job. And and that's another case where the players have rallied around him. And and I think that would be great for team morale and everything else uh, that comes with it. So for the other teams, the top candidates uh, to fill the coaching vacancies, uh, number one on everybody's list is Jim Harbaugh, fresh off uh, winning the national championship with Michigan. And a uh, potential—it's not even 100% sure if he will come back to the NFL. But I think he's expressed interest in a number of teams. Um, Sent I mean, him see. to the Chargers. <laughs> that would be that would be my favorite. I
0: can't I think of a better team to yeah. fit what what Jim Harbaugh does. Just think what he did back when he ran San Francisco. Yeah. And you take those same skill sets that he had and the way he called the plays there, and you send that to a to a, a pretty talented team Justin that I've with. said it's got yep. talent and has underperformed in in L.A. You bring the Chargers back into the fold to make that division just an absolute nightmare
1: to play. <laughs> yep. So he leads the list of candidates. Uh, also, you know, just like every year, some of the most successful teams are having their coordinators. Potentially picked off the uh, both the Ravens, both of the Ravens coordinators and Lions coordinators are all in the mix already, getting interview requests from other teams. Uh, so that would be Todd Munkin, the Raiders offensive coordinator. Ravens. Deep, defense. Ravens. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. And uh, Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator as well. And then in terms of the Lions, that would be Ben Johnson, the OC, and uh, DC Aaron Glenn. So with that, let's uh, take a quick look, a final look, at our playoff sleepers of this of this year. Uh, Matt, your Steelers, 17-10 victory over the Ravens backups.
0: I was going to say, let's just take that with a grain of salt, right? <laughs> this is against the backup Ravens players. But this is where I always say the most entertaining part of football is actually the fan base. Because if you go back about six weeks, Mike Tomlin was – Projected uh, he, to have his first losing season, Steelers yeah. fans were up in arms. This team can't get their 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 crap together. Mike Tomlin needs to go. Which, by the way, if they ever did fire Tomlin, you know how many teams would probably fire their current head coach and get him. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like the Steelers City Miracle that has to happen, Tomlin pulls off yet another ten and seven record. So a winning record and a wild card spot for a team that has finally started to gel and click. And I truly think that the turning point was when they got rid of Matt Canada. Will they make it very far? I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh, it's exciting to see that, you know, a team that... You know, it's just a great leadership of the team. I, I really do like Mike Tomlin. I like what he's done with the Pittsburgh culture. The Steelers have a great coaching history. And they continue to impress. Um, kind of like Green Bay, I feel like, this year especially. Just when you think that they're down and out, they come sneaking in. And those yeah. are always the scariest teams.
1: Yeah, it's the Steelers are so interesting. I, I think since uh, Mason Rudolph took over the 3-0, and right, after the mishmash of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky looking terrible for most of the season. So I, as, as much as I think we and I have sort of clowned on Rudolph in the past, uh, <laughs> I think that in conjunction with getting rid of uh, Matt Canada really uh, allowed this offense to start to flourish in a way we haven't seen in years. I think they put up back-to-back 30-point games in his first two starts, Mason Rudolph's first two starts, when they hadn't done that in two years, <laughs> any a single game of scoring 30 points. So you could see the turnaround right there. Uh, so anyway, they're in the playoffs. Good pick by you. We'll see what happens now. And then uh, your Vikings, less fortunate, but they lost Kirk Cousins. And that I think that was, they, they kept scrapping. They kept fighting uh, after losing Cousins. But I think that was really the point where uh, – their playoff odds took a big hit.
0: Well, and I think it begs the question now, Does there any concern about who the quarterback in Minnesota should be? I don't think so.
1: You're saying re-sign Josh Dobbs.
0: As a backup, not a half bad idea. He did fine for the first few weeks, and then oh. it all fell apart. But I really, like there was questions when he was playing well, right? Like, well, if Josh right. Dobbs is playing well, Can we get him at a cheaper price than what Kirk Cousins would want? Which Mm -hmm. I get, this is a business, right? But then you saw just how much the team just was not the same without Cousins under center. And ironically, I haven't seen, again, he hasn't played, right? Because he's been out. I haven't seen the backlash that he typically faces from all of the vikings
1: fans (laughs) right it's it's that uh the whole absence makes the heart grow fonder right or or they've seen that maybe the grass isn't actually greener with some of these other quarterbacks
0: so i i feel like the vikings should make a valiant effort to sign kirk to at least a three-year deal right like something not super long but give the guy a deal already like he's been like franchise tagged on so many teams which he's made his money don't get me wrong (laughs) but you can see he's passionate with the team he wants to be there and support them in any capacity he can give the guy the reins you Vikings will be fine with him
1: I actually didn't realize how old Kirk Cousins is he'll be 36 before next season starts but I agree with you I mean look at well, I was going to say Rogers still playing at 38-39. Obviously didn't play this year, but <laughs> I agree with you. Give him, a, give him a two-year contract. Let him finish his career with Minnesota. I think he's earned that. He's been really good, and he was great this year. It's not like his skill set is falling off or anything.
0: And they've got the talent around him. It's not like you'd be right. signing him with haphazard weapons all around him. I mean, he's got everything he needs.
1: Exactly. You've got um, – who Who is the rookie receiver? Addison, right, on our, his rookie contract still. Justin Jefferson – uh, they're going to have to pay, but uh, you know, with anyway, but with those two guys and Hawkinson as well, I mean, he was putting up big numbers. Didn't he lead the league in passing yards for a couple weeks, even after going down with the injury? Yeah. What does that tell you? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. It tells you he was having a great year. Let's uh, blow through my sleepers really quick. Who did not, have <clears throat> did not have great years. Um, <laughs> Broncos went out with a whimper. 14 to 27 loss to the Raiders. Uh, They had already been eliminated from the playoffs though. So whatever, at least they improved their draft pick, I guess. So (laughs) they finished up eight and nine. They were close to a wild card spot and going into last week, they still had a chance after, even after benching uh, Russell Wilson, but pretty disappointing. They remember that stretch where they were like five and one or something. Defense was playing great. And those are the good times, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Now uh Russ is likely gone. Oh did we we didn't even get to talk about this because we skipped last week. Um but yeah, Russell Wilson will almost certainly not be on this team next year. Uh they're just going to eat all that money they guaranteed him, which is hilarious. I guess Sean Payton just hates him that much. <laughs> but um anyway, no playoffs for Denver this year. The Commanders have been eliminated for like two months at this point. 4-13, <laughs> and 13, their final record, they uh, secured the number two overall pick with another blowout loss uh, in Week 18, so <laughs> good for them. <laughs> overall, we got one out of our four, thanks to you and the Steelers. Uh, not our best picks, but also not our worst.
0: I mean, that's why they're called sleepers, right? There is no guarantee in I right. mean, it, it looked like mean. we were going to go two and four, right? Like, the, the Broncos were definitely making that push, like you said, during that five and one stretch, and they came so close. But this uh, Russell Wilson saga just continues. <laughs> but you know yes. who I think were actually more surprised and excited? And I've I've been a proponent that they were going to do fine all year. I can't say the same for everyone else.
1: Hmm. Who, who would that be, Matt?
0: That— the one and only Green Bay Packers.
1: <laughs> Beautiful segue, as always, into our Packers Parkway. That's segment. what I get paid
0: to do. I feel <laughs> like this is like our version of Family Guy. It's not actually funny, but the cutaways are great. <laughs> so Mike does all the work. I'm just here for that occasional like segue into the next section. Sign so, my name right on the blank check. <laughs>
1: Wait, well, blank check means you can write however much you want on there. It's not blank. It's there's a zero printed right on there. <laughs> anyway, yes, the Packers hosted the Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field to close out the season in a situation that was eerily similar to their week 18 game a year ago. Uh, in both cases, they just needed a win at home against a division rival to get into the playoffs. Last year it was the Lions and they couldn't get it done in Aaron Rodgers' final game wearing the green and gold. This time, though, well, actually, there were a lot of times I didn't think they'd do it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, who are you fooling? Despite the fact that now that I can step back from the emotion of watching the game live, you can see that they really did dominate this game. The scoreline doesn't necessarily show that, but they dominated the Bears. And let's talk about uh, the game a little bit, starting with the good, because I'm really excited now that now that we're here at the end. (laughs) Um, the Packers did not punt at all this game. Their offense moved up and down the field with with relative ease. Um, <clears throat> Jordan Love, another monster game. Efficient, only five incomplete passes all game, but also hit a lot of big plays, uh, which was great to see. The final stat line for Love, 27 of 32, 316 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, uh, one fumble, which we'll get to. <laughs> but... This is such a young team, and the, the youth talent uh, stepped up all over the field, both sides of the ball. You had yeah. 100 plus receiving yards on just four catches. So he was making things happen and getting huge yards after the catch. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, another rookie, two touchdown receptions. And then on defense, you had rookies contributing, too, Uh, Carl Brooks and Lucas Van Ness, each with a sack. Overall, they had five sacks, each by a different player, uh, taking down Justin Fields. It was great. They only gave up the nine points, even though they set him up with good field position after uh, Jordan Love's fumble. Didn't allow Chicago into the end zone. They looked really good. <clears throat> now the fear, the fears I had, is <laughs> the side
0: that's been our feared side all year long.
1: I mean, right out of the gate, the Bears got the ball first. Couple big plays to DJ Moore. I'm like, what are we doing here? This looks horrible. And the Bears took the lead with a, a field goal. Um, Packers offense came out of the gate looking good too. However rookie kicker Anders Carlson pushed the 41-yard kick uh, wide, and they uh, didn't equal the score at that point. Uh, They did get a touchdown, up 7-6, going uh, one final drive before the half. Again, two big plays got them already into field goal range. I'm like, wow, this is fun to watch. Although, then with no timeouts left, they were about 10 seconds on the clock, just trying to get a little closer before the field goal attempt. Uh, But I don't even know who it was, but the wide receiver caught it. It was a quick out route. He was trying to get to the sideline, but he didn't go upfield. You have to be going forwards when you go out of bounds. Otherwise, the clock doesn't stop. The defender kind of knocked him back, so he went out of bounds heading backwards towards the line of scrimmage. Which Which
0: resulted in Matt LaFleur absolutely obliterating a
1: headset. Matt LaFleur did the same thing to his headset that I wanted to do to my cell phone. (laughs) just slamming things on the ground and stomping off into the locker room. Um, And it's like, oh, great, there we go again. That's at least six points that they should have scored and didn't have. uh, Well, and that's
0: where, like, the game, it's funny as fans, right? Like, I I go back to saying that the, the most entertaining part is actually the fan bases. And I speak for at least myself of... The, the the internal battle that wages, because as a fan, how awesome is it going to be with first-year start or Joy and Love making it to the wild card? Win or lose against Dallas, right? Just the yes. fact that, again, because all I see on social media is how aggravated Bears fans are, and just fans <laughs> in the league. Because they're like, first of all, we had Favre, then we had yep. Rodgers, and they're like, did they just nail Jordan Love, too? Like, who nails their quarterback? Not just twice back-to-back right but potentially for the third time in a row they've nailed a quarterback like come on but then it's like I absolutely want just a big blown defensive coverage that takes the win away kicks us out just so we can get rid of Joe Barry (laughs) yes now I feel like regardless of what happens it's going to be done and over at the end of the season but it's just like it's like having something broke or okay that You know you have to snap it and put it back into place, and it's going to hurt, but you're just like, get it over with. Just yank that, and let's get it done with.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is funny. And uh, There might be a method to their madness, at least in terms of the quarterback situation. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but it's happened maybe. I don't know if it's too soon to say, but it seems like it's happened twice in a row now. But the similarities between Rodgers and Love is that they both got to sit for th- and develop for three years behind a great quarterback. And
0: I said this back with Rodgers, is I feel like Green
1: Bay, the one thing they
0: do, and I saw somebody who made the comment of the only thing we need to steal from Green Bay is whoever their quarterback developer is. Hmm. Because I feel like Green Bay has really done well with draft and develop. I feel like they draft a quarterback – Early enough that they can sit and learn versus what a lot of teams have done. And I brought this up maybe at the beginning of the season. So many players now or teams draft and send them out into the field with very mm-hmm. little learning experience other than what's going to happen on the field. And I think you could argue people like Bryce Young, who are not ready are being put in the position where you basically have to put up or shut up. And it's like, how can you do that to these rookies? It's night and day between college and the NFL. And so regardless of how we feel about some of the head coaching calls and some of the play calling the floors had, love got to sit and there's going to be rust. There's going to be a learning curve, but it only took five, six games to figure it out. And then things started to roll. And all of a sudden it's like, well... This is a promising way to end the season. We made it to the wild card. The true test now comes what happens when we kick off next year.
1: Yeah, because because that's the thing. I feel like as fans, we take player development for granted, right? It's like, oh, well, he was pretty good this year. We assume he'll be better next year. Um, and a lot of times that is the case. But sometimes players regress or they don't get as good as you think or they don't live up to their full potential. So you're right. That's... that's um, Not to discount the game coming up this weekend, but uh, that's the biggest test now because no one expected the Packers to contend for anything or even make the playoffs this year. The fact that they did make the playoffs, I feel like sets the bar a little bit higher even for uh, next year. But anyway, this game was was fun, fun and terrifying. It was 17 to 9 was the final, so it doesn't look like a blowout by any means. But uh, It was but a little also,
0: closer than it should have been, especially yeah. the fact that we couldn't get Fields to the ground as much as we should have.
1: That's right. Five sacks, but there were still at least four or five other times where they had him in the grasp and he, he spun out of it and got away sometimes, which is the most frustrating thing. I mean, Packers and mobile quarterbacks, Packers defense against mobile quarterbacks has been a terrible matchup for us forever since Kaepernick. That's the first one I remember just shredding the Packers defense. On the ground. But anyway, <clears throat> it was also nice to see uh, the Packers really grind out the clock at the end. Aaron Jones, so great to have him back and fully healthy. Uh, had some big runs on the final drive to kill the clock and uh, win the game. And speaking of the playoffs, we're going to take. All right, I got this all prepped up. All right, I got going to my- take a quick break and uh, come back oh. and discuss the playoffs.
0: Sweet, I can fill up my coffee cup.
1: Okay, I'm back. You back? Welcome back. Thank you. All right, we're back. Jim Football, Mike and Matt, talking playoffs, and we'll go through the seeding first in each conference and then preview some of the games. In what? the NFC. In the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers clinched the number one seed. Uh, right behind them at number two are the Cowboys who did win the NFC East. Uh, then the Cowboys are the three seed, and then the Buccaneers came out on top of the NFC South uh, with their emphatic 9-0 win over Carolina in Week 18. Um, and then you've got the Eagles as the 5 seed, the Rams as the 6, and then the Green Bay Packers snuck in as the 7 seed. Over in the AFC, you've got the Ravens on top. And then the Bills, who I believe won their final five games of the regular season to go from a position where they were out of the playoffs entirely to actually winning uh, the AFC East thanks to their Week 18 victory over the Dolphins. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they are one of the hottest teams. Uh, Then you got the Chiefs, who won the West. The Texans, who thanks to their uh, victory over the Colts uh, in Week 18, took the division crown, which I believe—I might have had this in the notes later— uh, but I believe I saw the stat. It's the first time in league history that a team with the first-year coach and quarterback has won their division. Uh, pretty incredible. Imagine if one of us had picked the Texans and the Rams as our playoff sleepers. That guy would look like a genius.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll see. We'll see what, what our brackets look like. Who knows what we have uh,
1: projected. I'm excited. All right. And then you've got the Browns as the five-seed. The Dolphins fell all the way to six uh, with that loss to the Bills in Week 18, and then the Steelers as the seven seed. So let's go through the wild card games first, uh, and then we can go through the rest of our brackets. Of course, we have to be biased. We have to start with Packers at Cowboys for multiple reasons,
0: though, guys. To be fair, <laughs> the fir- I do like the order of these first two for different reasons, but I mean they have something in common. <laughs> yes. But the fact of the matter is, I was hopeful to be here. I was not anticipating
1: of being here. Yes. And uh, and here we are. And I, I had this in the notes last week when we didn't record, but uh, I was hoping for this matchup <laughs> because it's so fun. It'll be in Dallas, of course, because they won their division, so they get the home game. Uh, But more importantly than that, it'll be against Mike McCarthy in his his new home in Dallas, uh, who was, of course, the last man to lead the Packers to a Super Bowl victory uh, back in 2011. So I just love that. It's too bad it's not (laughs) Rodgers. That would have added a little extra spice. Um, But it's still always fun to go up against uh, someone who was important uh, to the franchise. But besides that aspect of it, these are this should be a fun game to watch for the the neutral fan too. Both these offenses have been absolutely on fire, uh, with uh, starting at the quarterback position. Dak Prescott has just been on a tear. He led the lead in uh, led the league in passing yard passing touchdowns with 36, and uh, you know who was right behind him with 32. Unbelievable. Jordan Love had the second most touchdown passes in the NFL this year with 32. Crazy, yeah. Uh, and both defenses, you could argue, have struggled. Uh, Dallas hasn't quite been the same without um, Trayvon Diggs at cornerback and Micah Parsons kind of in and out of the lineup. I'm very concerned about what CeeDee Lamb is going to do the, to the Packers secondary.
0: I mean, this is where it's like we made it, all right? But I do have to say... Cowboys historically have not done well with their first game in the postseason. (laughs) On the other hand, Green Bay has only really had one weakness in the postseason, and that's been the Niners. (laughs) Right. So if we're going off of, I like how, you know, the commentators like to pull historical facts up, right? Or weird trends that you never even look at. That's what I thought about. Like, historically, uh, since, since the 90s with Aikman, they, uh, the Cowboys haven't done well in the first round of the postseason. And historically for the Packers, like it's really just been the Niners that have been our Achilles heel. Yeah. That for some reason, whatever it may be, we cannot beat the 49ers. So historically, I feel pretty good about this, this setup. I also kind of want to get absolutely obliterated so that the fan base <laughs> can basically find Joe Barry... Before he can make it to the team bus and just leave him in Dallas. Um, sure. That's the more PG way of saying that.
1: (laughs) No, but I, I am. I agree with you. The defense has been playing a little too well lately, you know? (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm excited to watch this game for every reason. The revenge game aspect of it, going against McCarthy, the just the pure football aspect of it. I'm expecting a lot of points here from both teams because that's been, I mean, they only scored 17 against the Bears, but the way they moved the ball, they could have had double that amount of points. And uh, so, I and, and I don't think the Packers defense is slowing down Dak. So I'm expecting a high-scoring game here. Unfortunately, I have to pick the Cowboys just because that's what I think will happen.
0: I have the Packers winning nice. I'm going with the historicalness behind it. That was part of the reason, but there's just blind faith that, you know, each time you do this right, it sets the bar higher, but I mean, I feel like it's not going to bode well for the next, uh, for the divisional round with my picks, but uh, Hey, We made it. That's all I can ask for. And I just say, if we're going to go down, just give Dallas a run for their money.
1: (laughs) Yep. Agreed. Go out in a blaze of glory, like Bon Jovi. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hey, I'm back. Welcome back. Thank you. Sorry if I sound out of breath. I just had to carry a 40-pound kid upstairs and put him in bed.
0: (laughs) I mean... That's about as much physical work as you'll do
1: for the day. That and shoveling this morning? I'm wiped out already, yeah. <laughs> That's it for the week. I'm done. <laughs> Not getting out of this chair. <laughs> all right. Anyway, Rams at Lions is the next one I have here. Matt Stafford is coming home, but he's wearing the wrong jersey. But it's exciting. It's so exciting.
0: Revenge games of all revenge. <laughs>
1: This is even more revenge-y. I mean, if anything, the Packers game is a revenge game for McCarthy because they're the ones who fired him. (laughs) And uh, this is the same for Stafford, who who got traded. Um, So he goes against the guy who took over for him at quarterback, Jared Goff. And uh, it's another one where – I mean, it'll be – Matt Stafford means a lot to Lions fans. He was a real, like – servant of the team for the 10 plus years he was there it banged up all the time but he almost never missed a game and played with no talent around him but he always showed up and battled every week uh, and and now his his rams are frisky i'm i'm concerned for detroit in this one actually jared goff has been a little bit hit or miss i guess they're at home which helps he's he's worse on the road and playing outdoors Uh, But he's struggled with turnovers. They might not have their star rookie tight end, Sam Laporta, who was injured in Week 18. And I think uh, Dan Campbell said he had an outside chance to play, which doesn't sound great. So, And the Lions' defense has been not great either, especially against the pass where Stafford has the – wide receiver tandem now of Cooper cup and Puka Nakua who set new rookie receiving records for receptions and yards, I believe. Uh, So they can, they can put up points. Yeah. I think it's
0: going to be a a quite matchup. I know some people were given Campbell flack for starting his players because this is the risk you won. You run, right? You play everybody week eight team in a game that in some ways is a little meaningless to a certain
1: extent. Yeah. I don't know what they had to gain because they couldn't get the number one seed that was already locked up. Uh, and they had already won the division, but it's, it's hard. You never know what's going to happen because sometimes they also say that guys get rusty if they have a week off. So it's, it's a hard line to toe. But uh,
0: yeah, I think it's, I think there's always risk and reward going on in what they're trying to do. And the whole The whole thing of well, you want to keep momentum going. I saw one take on that on that uh line of thinking of like you've been playing for like seventeen weeks. if you don't have momentum now you're never gonna have it. Hmm. so resting your people, there's no rust that gets put on like that whole thing, but it makes it more challenging um, however, I do want to see. As much as I love Matt Stafford, I, I am taking the Lions to win this one.
1: Okay, yeah, I got the Rams here. Ooh, I, I think I really think they can do it. I think Stafford's going to have a huge game. I could sort of see Goff not being able to handle the, the pressure, in a sense. Um, and without Laporta, that's a weapon missing in the passing game. Of course... It's all about Amon Ross St. Brown, and then they've got two great running backs in the backfield to dump the ball off as well. But I just I just feel like the Rams are a really dangerous team right now, and uh, I think they might pull the upset.
0: I mean, there was at one point, right at, towards the beginning, where everyone thought the Rams just would never, ever look like the Super Bowl caliber they were. And yet they were another team that kind of turned it around.
1: Yeah, I mean... So I saw this that Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams were both fifth round picks in this year's draft, and they were, and uh, you know they were both like top three at their respective positions in yards gained at, on the season, which is just goes to show that the fact that they traded away a bunch of firsts and seconds, they found diamonds in the rough there at the later rounds of the draft. Shout and, out
0: uh, to the scouting department
1: for real, yeah, because it was just two years ago that they went all in and won the. They won everything, had one down year, and look at them back in the playoffs already with a youth movement outside of uh, Stafford at quarterback and then still Aaron Donald at defensive tackle. Both of whom, along with McVay, apparently pondered retirement after last season, and they're all back, and they're going to be on the NFL, you know, on the biggest stage of the playoffs again. Uh, So it's a good story. I'm excited about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sick of the Lions already, so I'm taking the Rams. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Browns at Texans. I've got up next the playoff matchup we all anticipated preseason of Joe Flacco against C.J. Stroud.
0: Yeah, right. Everyone, everyone saw this one coming.
1: (laughs) Flacco, especially being on his couch at the time. I just think this is so this is fun. Like now that Watson's out of the picture, at least for now, for the Browns, I, I can root for them again, and I'm excited about them. And what Flacco has done with 300 uh, yard passing games in like three of his four starts, or something like that, which hadn't been done by a Cleveland quarterback uh, in a long time. It's it's just exciting. It's a fun story. He's also turning. The, he's been a turnover machine, too. So it's exciting. It's in a Jameis Winston kind of way.
0: <laughs> well, Flacco, you can argue, is one of the last big like gunslingers, like the Farves and stuff like that one, where they've got a cannon of an arm and they're going to and they think they can throw it in every window that's there. Yeah. And it's like, nah. <laughs> should you? <laughs> no. Are you going to try it? Oh, hell yeah,
1: you are. Are we going to enjoy watching it? Absolutely. <laughs> Are
0: we going to be just as excited, like screaming uh, on all the ups as if we will be cursing all the downs? Absolutely.
1: Yep. Yep. It's great entertainment. Uh, and the Browns have an awesome defense to pair with him. Um, with Miles Garrett, of course, leading the way uh, from his edge rushing position. Meanwhile, the Texans have been an offensive powerhouse with Stroud and uh, even without Tank Dell, which is sad still, but uh, Nico Collins has really turning into kind of an alpha number one wide receiver. And he shredded the Colts uh, last week in their, what was essentially a play-in game for the playoffs. So you've still got Stroud and Collins. Uh, Devin Singletary has been, I think better than anyone would have thought in the lead back role. They picked him up in free agency from the bills last year. Last offseason, and uh, this offense is a force to be reckoned with. Paired with a, a defense, um, maybe a little bit lacking in talent, but D'Amico Ryan's that side of the ball is his specialty, and uh, they, they can come up with moments too. There were some issues against the Colts and throughout the year with the run defense, but uh, the Browns have a banged up offensive line and they can't. Uh, Contrary to what their identity is, like with Nick Chubb, when he's healthy. Uh, the they haven't
0: been efficient at
1: running yeah, the football. Not at all, right. So, I think this is a super interesting matchup. I'm taking the Browns.
0: Um, I can't do it. I'm sticking to what I've stuck to all year. I'm taking Houston. Okay. I've been on the Houston bandwagon maybe longer than anybody else, it seems. <laughs> And uh, win or lose, I guess I'm going to die on this hill. Because, yeah, I kind of do regret not picking them as a sleeper. But at the time, like, it we wasn't Stroud been. I had doubts on. Yeah. It was, there was no names on that offense. It was Robert Woods. Come on now.
1: <clears throat> yeah, right. We thought he might be the, he was the biggest name, I guess, in their receiving room. <laughs> And it turns out,
0: like no, the 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 rookies that they had, man, they couldn't have they couldn't have hit that any better. They're all young, kind of like Green Bay. The team gets a chance to grow together. Yeah. That'll prove a problem for the cap down the line, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right,
1: when you got to pay all these guys at the same time, but uh, for <laughs> now for now they're all pretty cheap, and and you can that's a great way to build a team. Uh, we even mentioned Will, I think. Is it Will Anderson, the edge rusher they took the, with the very next pick after Stroud? He's been having a great rookie campaign, so not a team to be trifled with. Um, but yeah, I'll stick with the Browns, even though you have swayed me somewhat. <laughs> Dolphins at Chiefs is the next one. Uh, this is the playoffs pretty- are just revenge games. That's all they are this year. It's all over the place. I mean, if there's revenge to be found, anyway. Anyone- on the roster. I'll, I'll find it anyway. But <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of it going around here in particular. Tyreek Hill, who was, of course, traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. Uh, Kansas City have really struggled to find a passing game. Not Maybe not so much last year, but this year has been especially impa- apparent with Travis Kelsey aging, MVS's hands only getting worse with time, and... <laughs> Been a, things haven't been easy uh, for the Chiefs on offense since they shipped out Tyreek Hill. Meanwhile, he's been an incredible asset for Miami in, in their passing game and, and to uh, Tungo Beloa. And uh, they've been happy to have him. And now he goes back to his uh, original team. The game will take place at Arrowhead since the Chiefs were division winners. And... Um, So that's a storyline. I think the other big one is the fact that the Dolphins only beat one team with a winning record all regular season. I think that's right. That's what that little question mark in parentheses means. (laughs) I believe it was just the one team. Um, So largely untested, you could argue. And the Chiefs have found a defense. In the first few years of Mahomes and Tyreek, it was all about the offense putting up more points than the defense would allow because they they allowed their fair share of points as well. But uh, this year it's been, everything's leveled out a little bit. The defense is better. The offense has been a bit worse.
0: So the question really begs, have people figured out the Chiefs or the Chiefs just don't have their act together? It also begs the question that they don't have Eric bien anymore. It's Matt Nagy calling the offensive plays.
1: That's true. Another Yeah, Yeah, it's a good point.
0: Um, and you know, I don't know, not to, not to harp on Matt Nagy. It's not his fault. The receivers can't catch, <laughs> but the chiefs were known under Reed and the enemy of drawing up these crazy schemes and concepts. Right. And I didn't see as much of that. Again, I would argue how fancy can you really get when the chance of catching the ball is kind of low. <laughs> so But it's just weird that there's a correlation there.
1: Yeah. I've gone back and forth on this game. I think I'm taking the Chiefs at home to get the the win, because I have too many questions about Miami's defense. Uh, I
0: love what we're doing. I don't think this has happened in four years of doing this show.
1: So many disagreements?
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I'm taking the Dolphins.
1: Oh, man, our brackets are going to be totally different.
0: (laughs) Because I in similar concept for the chiefs i can't trust their offense (laughs) i can't trust their receivers to catch and miami's run the ball well they're very quick i feel like they can put up the points to compensate for a shaky defense now are they going to get very far well only time will tell but i feel like in this matchup i have to trust the offensive fireworks more and Kansas City just does not scare me, so to speak, in the way they did for the past few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. That can't argue that point. Okay, cool. Uh, that's where the notes stop. <laughs> We're, um, we got two games left here. Which one do you want to talk about? Bucks, Bucks? and Eagles. Come on yeah. now. Okay, that's what I was going to suggest, so I agree. <laughs> Go ahead, preview.
0: Well, I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, the the, the the fourth seed Bucks and the fifth seed Eagles. I mean, Baker Mayfield has proven that he could be the face of this franchise. There's some shaky parts to it, but the stability on both sides of the ball has been way more consistent than what seemingly were the red hot Eagles, right? Coming in with super high expectations, but missing both coordinators and the past six weeks have not looked like the Eagles at all both defensively and offensively. Um, and and it begs the question, how far can that team go? Because when you aren't, like, the only thing they've been able to dominate, right, is if they have a yard to gain, right? The whole brotherly shove, tush push is really <laughs> all that they've managed in the past, what, two, three weeks to really hone in on. But nobody else seems to be clicking, and and when you start to get that frustrated, it only continues to compound mistakes versus Baker's having a year with, you know, still a star-studded team, right? Like, this team hasn't changed very much since Tom Brady took them to the Super Bowl. They've lost a few pieces, but they've kept most of it intact. And I think that helps. With that being said, I have to go with the Buccaneers in this one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, here's one we agree on. I'm taking the Buccaneers as well. Um, and you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Baker Mayfield's been playing really well. He has a great um, connection with Mike Evans, their top receiver. The Eagles have, yeah, I mean, they've had struggles on both sides of the ball. They just they gave up 35 points in the loss to Arizona two weeks ago, 27 points to the Giants last week. Barely beat the Giants the week before that, uh, giving up 25 points. So defense hasn't been the same Offense has been a little bit better of late, but they've had their struggles um, this season as well. And Buccaneers are at home, having won their division. And I just think they're going to get it done. I think Baker's going to have a big game against what has been a really porous Eagles secondary. And uh, yeah, I think they'll have a surprise card exit this year, the Eagles.
0: They'll have a lot to think about coming the offseason, which I think that's, like the is just stressful for everybody. It's supposed to be really good games. But I think the most entertaining is right when the Super Bowl ends that first few weeks when teams are really, because that opens up all the teams to change, right? Anyone who's a head coach in the postseason is fair game. Um, coordinators become more available. So it really begins to, to shape what changes a team could make.
1: Yep. And that brings us to our final game of Wild Card Weekend. The Steelers at Bills. Uh, Like I mentioned, Bills have been on fire lately. Uh, Josh Allen's been good. The defense has played well. They've been running the ball very effectively. Um, See, I'm just pulling up their schedule here. Yes, it's five wins in a row to close out the season, including a thumping of the Cowboys. They beat the Chiefs, uh, most recently the Dolphins, who – Still had it's not like they were resting starters or anything had everything to play for with the division crown on the line and they've they've found a bit of form the defense has been playing great too uh, Rasul Douglas who we traded them uh, the Packers traded them right at the deadline had a pick six the other week um,
0: such jerks
1: <laughs> and, and despite how. Uh, much better the Steelers have looked. Uh, I have to go with Buffalo here. I think TJ Watt is also likely to miss this game for Pittsburgh, which is a huge loss for their defense. Uh,
0: just because I had to,
1: yeah. I took the Steelers. Uh, okay. Yeah. They're your team. They're your, uh, your playoff sleeper.
0: I mean, I've already won that one, right? Like I, I yeah, picked they're one in. Yep. to win, yep. but like, I don't know. The, the bills have been hot, but I, I don't know just because let's go with that one. I have no reason that's why I think
1: that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right then. So let's, let's go into the rest of our brackets. I guess they're going to be significantly different since we had so many different picks. This in the last ground.
0: This is where it's all kind of like when we do our picks during the weeks, like we seem to like agree on a lot. So it's actually really exciting that this is
1: unusual. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That we've gone completely, and not intentional. No, not at all. Like, I didn't know your bracket or your picks. I know who you picked to win the Super Bowl because you sent me that message. I'm
1: sorry. I know I deleted it. It's gone. It's also gone from your memory. (laughs) Uh, What's the Super Bowl? Who are you? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, I went too far. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So, uh, what does your divisional round look like?
0: So... For the AFC, I have my divisional games are the Ravens and the Steelers and the Texans and the Dolphins. Mm. The NFC, I have the Lions and the Buccaneers. And then this is where I made the comment about what I dread. I have the Packers and the 49ers.
1: Oh, I see. (laughs) This is where I was like, wow, it was a good thing while it lasted. That's like the nightmare scenario, yeah. (laughs) Um.
0: What about you? What do you got divisionally
1: shaped? Uh, yeah, all four games are different because of <laughs> the wild Yes! Um, mine would be Browns at Ravens and uh, Chiefs at Bills. And then in the NFC, it would be uh, Rams at 49ers and uh, Bucks at Cowboys. Interesting. Right so and then out of those games i have uh let's just skip so i have the ravens uh beating the browns the bills beating the chiefs actually my bracket ends up being really uh, boring really chalky cuz i have the one and two seeds in both conferences <laughs> so ravens ravens bills in the afc champ and uh, niners cowboys in the nfc
0: so i have afc is ravens dolphins and nfc is niners lions
1: Wow. Okay. And then uh, I have uh, both the one seeds winning again. I realize now how chalky this is. (laughs) I'm the top seed in each conference getting to the Super Bowl. So it's uh, Ravens Niners uh, where I have the Ravens winning it.
0: I have the Dolphins against the Niners with the Niners taking the
1: victory. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, it's so different. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) That through some
0: combination will be right.
1: <laughs> well, that's the nice thing, yeah. One of us should have uh, most of this right then, if they're so diversified, right?
0: And this is where, like, again, with the NFL, anything can happen any week, right? But it's it's the postseason, so truly anything can go now.
1: Right, in a in a one off game, any team can beat any other team. <laughs> so.
0: Right, and it's. it's like 100. you said, it's one off. It's one and done. You either you either win or you go home, and this is where everything's out on the line. And all it takes is one or two mistakes to completely swing a game. Like if Allen regret- if Josh Allen regresses at all, even just a little bit, like who's to say the Steelers don't upset? Or Brian, you
1: know, yeah, throws a key interception at a at a bad time. Or, you know,
0: let's say Flacco just turns on the Jets, right, and throws not a perfect game but limits the turnovers and just absolutely slices up the Texans. Like,
1: yeah.
0: it's funny how it just takes those little little things here and there to completely swing everything. Just, you know, who's to say the Niners don't mess up and get knocked out in the divisional
1: round? It's just it's so exciting. And, and I love that um, we have – we both have. The one thing we agree on is that neither of the teams from last year's Super Bowl get back there, <laughs> the Eagles and uh, uh, Chiefs. Yeah, no, not this year. The Eagles are too,
0: I don't know what to call them. They're just not in sync. And the Chiefs just, they have just massive issues at receiver.
1: Yep. All right, well, we have no more fantasy corner, so I guess that's a good spot to end it
0: sounds good now the now is when the fun begins this is pod racing
1: (laughs) there you go uh but yep this is what all the previous 18 weeks have been all about now we're at the we're approaching the end now the end game uh so the games should only get better from here on out and uh go pack go let's go get them
0: thank you for listening to the 2m football podcast with matt and mike don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.